This is Genetic Jackpot. I'm Shannon Halligan. And I'm Nick Sloan. And this week, I talked to my friend and co-worker, Courtney Hall. She's an anchor at WGN and CLTV here in Chicago. And I think she has a really interesting story about a DNA test that she took. And then also, after the interview, I'll tell you a little bit more about my story and what I discovered taking a DNA test. And Nick, you know, you're interested in history, so after this interview, we'll talk about your thoughts on all of this. But let's just go right into Courtney's story. Here it is. First of all, what uh, DNA test did you use? I used the DNA test African Ancestry. And so it focuses on really kind of digging deep and detailed into the different cultures and tribes within Africa. And um, how did that all get started that you decided to take a DNA test? So I, um, they were doing it for the morning show, for WGN morning show. And they kind of just asked anybody like who was interested in doing it. And they had multiple DNA tests, not just the African ancestry one. But, of course, the big mystery for my um, DNA makeup is where am I from in Africa? I mean, African Americans, we all have that question. We have no idea just because of the history. And um, so that was, that was the one that intrigued me the most. You know, I kind of know that, yes, I'm part French, and yet, you know, I kind of knew that stuff, but I, it was a big mystery surrounding my connection to Africa. And so where are your parents from, and what extent did you know, you know, like, did you know where your grandparents lived? Is that, like, the extent of it? No, so, yeah, to the extent of what, how, what I knew of my family history, it just dated back uh, my, on my um, father's side, it was... Indiana and Chicago. Um, he's got deep roots in Chicago. My great-grandparents lived in Chicago, Southsiders. On my mother's side, my mother's from Cleveland, Ohio, and was raised there, but her family came from Alabama. Um, I know on my dad's side, to switch back again, on my dad's side, I think that his people, his family, immigrated from Mississippi to Chicago in the Great Migration, where a lot of African Americans were moving to Chicago. And then on my mom's side, they moved uh, mostly from Alabama to Cleveland, Ohio. But that's like the extent of what I knew. I didn't know anything beyond that. And so you did the test, and did you do it for the station? I did it for the station. So the idea was um, do the test, get the results, and it's like a do like a big reveal, like it's a big reveal on set, like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. So um, basically uh, what happened is I, I kind of talked the viewer through how I was, what test I was doing and how I was doing it. I had to do a cheek swab, put it in, um, put it in something, and then like send it off to African Ancestry, which I believe is based in D.C., and then they would run it through their um, DNA database which they have a, a very robust DNA database of many different cultures within Sub-Saharan Africa. So, um, so that's what I did, and I kind of talked the viewer through it. And as part of my first story, I wanted to learn, uh, you know, I talked the viewer like through what I was doing and that there was going to be a big reveal. Well, we had the big reveal, and basically we had the um, head of African ancestry 
on the show talking me through the results that I got. I opened um, the package and it said, you are from Senegal, um, southern Senegal, the Mandinka tribe, which is way more detailed than I ever thought I would get. And one of the things that's important to note is this is only one side of my family. It traces your mitochondrial DNA. So for, um, for women, it goes through our mothers. So on my mother's side, I'm Senegalese. And what was that like? Did you know anything about Senegal? No. So that brings me to the next story that I did was, you know, finding out about, you know, these results. Like what, um, what does this even mean? So, you know, I just, I started on my Google search and I found a Senegalese restaurant and I thought that's the perfect way to kind of dive right into this because people connect over food. Food is such a, a major part of our cultural experience. So um, I found a restaurant and I figured that could be kind of like the home base to find out more. And um, when I found this restaurant, it was called, it's called Fadu Senegalese Restaurant. It's on the north side of Chicago. And I went there. I, I told them what I wanted to do and what, what I found. And they, Fadu, the owner, was so excited. He really... He really made it for me because he got me so excited, and it was great to have him um, kind of guiding me through, you know, what Senegalese culture is, what it means, what they eat, what they do, um, where it is, um, all of the all of the things. And I met him, and he had some other Senegalese people come over the Senegalese community in Chicago, and it was just an amazing experience. And I did a story on that, just, you know, that whole thing. And, and yeah, so what was the uh, other breakdown? Was it, I mean, because this is, was this like your mother's mother's mother's, so it's kind of like the haplo group? It's, yeah, it is traced through your mother. So through my mother and her mother, and her mother's mother um, has DNA from Senegal. So on my father's side, I still haven't done that test yet. If I wanted to find out what was traced to my father's side, my father would have to give his DNA for a test. So we'll see if that's next. If that's next. But because it's concentrated on African ancestry, that's what it gave me. And it gave me detailed in the African ancestry. I found that when people get results from other DNA tests, it might not be it will give you a breakdown of what you are, but it won't be as detailed. Like this told me, you have 95% of your markers from um, Mandinka tribe living in southern Senegal. So it put it down to a tribe, which was amazing to me. Okay. And now, so uh, walk me through, you know, your next steps of deciding that you're going to go there. So after just meeting with Badu at his restaurant and him telling me about it and, like, you know, just telling him about the culture, and I just, I was just fascinated. And I'm like, I never thought I would know this, know this information. So I, you know, I was, like, looking at the map. I'm like, that's not that far. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, like, browsing plane tickets at this point. And I have a good friend of mine who's kind of like my travel buddy, and I just kind of, it out to her, like, hey, how do you feel about doing this? 
and she was completely down to go. And I'm like, well, I mean, this is a, this is the next step. This is the next step of the story. So I booked a ticket to go to Senegal, to go to Dakar. Okay. I had never been to Africa in my life. Okay. And I'm just going to go to Dakar, Senegal. I had learned from Badu that Senegal was safe. Um, it didn't have some of the problems that some of the other, um, some of the unrest that some of the other African countries are experiencing right now. So it was it was a pretty safe safe country to go to, um, and close. And I mean, in looking at tickets, I'm like, wow, it was you know it was kind of affordable. It kind of like matched up. So I was going to go on my own anyway. And then I pitched it as a story. And it was great because once I pitched it as a story, um, you know, our news director did everything she could to help me out along with this. So I borrowed equipment. Um, I borrowed a handheld camera. I was going to document my own journey in Senegal. And what really opened things up is that you know, Dakar is a major city. There's a lot going on there. I had a couple of friends there, too, so who were just there working. Like, I've got a, a big network of people I know. And I had, you know, a friend of a friend. Oh, yeah, he's working for the government in Dakar. And um, so-and-so's ex-girlfriend is in Dakar doing this. And so it was kind of, like, meant to happen. So, um so I got the ticket. I was going anyway. Pitched the story to the news director. The news director loves it. Of course, funding's always a problem. But um, I was able to borrow equipment from um, the station, take it with me, um, and they said that they would pay or reimburse me for getting a local crew for you know a day of shooting there. So I'm like, great, perfect. It's more than I thought I would get. Wonderful. So uh, my objective is to go cover the story of me, you know, tracing my roots. The real thing that sent things over the edge is the day before I was supposed to go, I get a call from Badu, the restaurant owner who I interviewed before, who's so animated. He's like the best interview ever. He's TV magic because he's so genuine and so, like, his face lights up your television screen because he's so animated but so genuine at the same time. He's just a great person. And he tells me, surprises me, and says that he is going to go to Dakar that same week to visit his family. He visits his family once a year anyway, and he's going to do it that week so he can take me around. So, boom, there you have it. It is amazing, and I tell you, when I get there, um, my friend and I, um, we, we have a driver take us to where we're staying, and we're set up where we're staying with um, a friend of a friend, you know, set us up where we're staying, and Badu came and uh, picked us up, took us around, showed us the neighborhood where he grew up, told, showed us the fish market, showed us all of this stuff that uh, was so amazing, and, um, and then... One of the days, he picks us up, and he takes us in a taxi, in like a broken-down taxi. We drive, might have been two or three hours, south to southern Senegal, to an all-Mandinka tribe, where, like an all-Mandinka city where, where they live. And 
it just occurred to me that one of these people is is likely a distant cousin, a distant, distant relative of mine. And that is just mind-blowing. Um, that it could be that specific, too. That it could be that specific. That it could be that specific. And people with, like, a totally different lifestyle. I mean, but at the same time, it kind of felt like, like, I got chills because it was, like, as if an Irish person goes to Ireland for the first time and for the first time sees people with, like, freckles and red hair. Like, a bunch of them who look like, who have the same features, same, you know, traits. So it, it was kind of weird like that. Like, wow, I could see how ancestrally I'm from here. I could see how that could be. You know, because if you, if you look in Africa, um, Africa, first of all, is a huge place. And we always, we always talk about it just like Africa. <laughs> Whereas, like, in Europe, we name out the certain countries. How different does somebody from Italy look from somebody from uh, Ireland? Really different, right? Right. So likewise, you have people from Senegal who look totally different than somebody from Ethiopia or somebody from Nigeria or some, you know, so that's what we're talking about. And um, it was just amazing to, to see, oh my gosh, these people, one of these people is distantly related to me. It's just a matter of DNA testing everybody and be like, oh, wow, you guys have the same DNA down the line. So... Well, and that's the, that's the thing that's, you know, cool. It's, I mean, you know, I like to do my family history and things like that. So it's fun, like, finding other people who are related to you and then... I've um, always been fascinated by it. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated by DNA and how it's passed down. And, you know, my mom has freckles all over her nose. And I have one right in the middle of my nose. That stuff fascinates me. Or, you know, having the same smile as, as your dad. Or, like... How that all works is, is, is really fascinating. So this whole subject intrigued me, which is why I was eager to take the DNA test. Um, and then like, another day, you know, so we were in southern Senegal like with this Mandinka tribe. Like this, we were there for the whole, we spent the night. Like, I mean, it was just amazing to, to, to be there. But was equally amazing, if not more, was on one of the days, another day that we were there, we went to this place called Gori Island. And it is within, it's in Dakar, but it's, a, it's an island that's off of the coast. And um, we took a ferry there. And that island was where the slave house was. And it's still standing. And um, it's, it's, kind of, it's a museum, kind of, you go through there and it, they, you still, you see how it was set up. You see the bedroom where the, um, the master had, like, stayed upstairs with his family. And downstairs, you see the places where people were chained up. Like, and there's, there were different rooms. There was a room for women. There was a room for men. There was a room for children. Um, so children were separated from their mothers. Men were separate, husbands were separated from wives, and um, you see the room where they were punished. It was like a whole, much like the size of underneath your desk. And multiple people would be shoved in there. You see um, like scratch marks on the wall. You see the chains on the wall still. Uh, in some cases, you see all of these different 
like instruments and forms of torture that were used, and you also see the positioning of the island and why that house was a clearinghouse for people from multiple African countries to go through this house, and that was the last time they would see Africa. They would go through this house, and it was it's the westernmost part of Africa, by the way, and it comes right up to the ocean, and it's like you go down like a short hallway, and like it's a, but a short but narrow hallway, and it's like either there would be the ramp that goes straight onto the ship. So you just like walk straight from this house, loaded onto the ship like cargo, and our tour guide was just saying how many people just jumped off. Like I mean, you you think of oh like well. At least I thought of like, well, why did why did why did people go willingly to, you know, get on this ship and you know what, like, why would you go? Like, why would you allow yourself to be separated from your kids? And and it's not about it. There was people did jump off. People jumped off into the ocean and died. And because they jumped off into the ocean, and. Um, you know, they would either get shot or eaten by sharks, and because there was all of that blood in the water, more it was shark infested around there. So people did jump off and did think that they were going to swim back. That they tried that. So, um, but from this experience, being in that house and seeing the ramp that where the ship pulls up, I know that not only was one of my relatives in that house, I know that they got onto the boat, survived the trip to the Americas, and then ended up in the U.S. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Otherwise, you know, my great-great-great-great-grandparent wouldn't be here. So it's just so interesting. Were you, were you emotional at all? I was – I kind of got emotional about it afterwards, and I hear that, like, people – People are emotional about it, but I was kind of just in awe. I was more so in awe of this operation. Like, what? Like, what? Like, what? And the fact that this went on for hundreds of years. This wasn't just like, oh, you know, 10 years or so or something. This was, an op- this was a trade in industry that went on for hundreds of years. And if you think about it, the fact that we've been out of slavery for less time that we were in it, you know? That's crazy. So, yeah. And and seeing it firsthand and seeing, um, you know, some of the, I guess, the stories or the, the treatment or what they had to go through to just make it to America, was that interesting? Like, did you learn, were you more interested about history after seeing all that? Yeah, I was, um, yes, short answer, yes. I, I Again, awestruck is the right word. Um, the emotions came in later. I was awestruck on, on many levels, how this operation happened, how so many people were okay with it, how this man, this man and his family were able to sleep upstairs, you know, while there are people chained to walls below, um, is astounding, how you had to have, you know, people with big ships okay with it. You had to have, you know, I mean, 
there were so many steps along the way where I'm like, this should have been stopped. This could have been stopped. And yet it went on for hundreds of years. Um, so awestruck about how evil humans can be, awestruck at just the entire magnitude of the operation. That was, that was the first thing. Um, in terms of my relative, I, I got kind of emotional thinking just like what they had to go through, like what they endured. You know, I know, you know, it was a female relative and what she went through, um, what her life was like getting on this ship and um, making it to the U.S. I mean, for as many people who, you know, died and killed themselves and jumped over, I mean, I certainly understand that, but there's something to be said for the people who just survived, like, just survived the trauma and made it, so. And so from here, so you did the story, and where do you go from here? This was a few years ago, right? So Yeah. So from here, I, I got some, after that story aired, I did get some resources that I really need to follow up on, just tracing how to further trace from this side of the ocean um, that relative. Because, you know, it's not like when they were, you know, taking slaves, they're like, oh, make sure you get an address and keep in touch with your relatives back here. Like, so there's a serious break in information. Slaves were loaded like, people were loaded onto these boats as commodities, right? You didn't care what your name was, you know, where, where your family was or whatever. So I, what is my Senegalese name? I don't know. Is the last name Diallo? Is the last name? I mean, so, I mean, I can kind of try to see what the records are on this side of the ocean to see how far back um, the, the records go on my mother's side and to see, okay, um, who was that enslaved person in Alabama? I know that my um, grandma's last name is Matthews. So if there's a slave owner back then whose name was Matthews, okay, then Matthews owned my family. And then to see if there's any records to say, like, okay, who was, like, whose name was changed to Matthews because of the slave trade. So that's what I, but I don't know if that information's there. I don't know if it's written down. Um, I really don't know. But the next step would be investigating that on, on if we continue down this line. Another avenue to go would to get my father tested with his DNA. And I don't know what, you know, his DNA will show. I mean, it could, it you know, it could be a totally different African country. I mean, like, I'm Senegalese and Nigerian or I'm Senegalese and, Ethiopian, who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's more information than you had before. It's, it's so much more information than I had before, and it was kind of like it's kind of crazy because all you know, like growing up, and you know, people would say that oh, I look Ethiopian, um, just my features, and I can see how I do look Ethiopian. Um, and and when I was in college, I used to say like you know yeah I tell people, like, yeah, I am Ethiopian, um, just because they didn't know, so like, I could be, you know, um, and people would start trying to talk to me in the language, I'm like, no, <laughs> um, I don't know the language, but um, anyways, um, so it, 
what I did get from the whole thing is, like, now I don't have to say I'm Ethiopian. I could say with some authority that I'm Senegalese. And you get a certain amount of pride from that. I mean, think about how proud, you know, Italians are, how, how proud the Irish are. I mean, you can't have a conversation with somebody without saying, you know, say, well, I'm Irish or whatever, or I'm Italian. Like, they're always touting that. So to, you have to think about how important that is to them, and then you understand how important it is to me and to other people who where that was just a big question mark. Um, you know, and people ask all the time, like, so what are you? Or I'm like, well, I'm a human being. But, um, but people ask, you know, no, but what, what's your ethnicity? What's your heritage? And if you just have to say I'm black, you know, that's, people want more from that. I wanted more from that. Not to mention the fact that when you say, when you say that you're black, you're African-American, there's so much baggage attached to that with our history just within the United States, you know, with the injustice and um, inequality and just the treatment that we've had. And so you, ha you attach all that weight to it, right? Um, but saying I'm Senegalese is just answering the question, like, what your heritage is. You know, you don't have that attachment. There's a whole Senegalese history that happened before the slave trade. It's everything doesn't start with slavery and then a little injustice and then inequity. Now you have this, you have, uh, you know, kings, queens, tribal leaders, like whole histories that has nothing to do with negativity. So that's another reason that it was important to find out a positive side, a, po a positive root. You know, there's a lot of, there's obviously, a, there's a lot of positive, there's a lot of positivity attached with being African American, but it's rooted in slavery. That's just a historic fact. So, to find out what was going on with your family before slavery, to find out there's an actual place that you could attach yourself to that had things going on before slavery was really meaningful. Thank you so much. And once again, that was Courtney Hall, who is an anchor at WGN and CLTV here in Chicago. I think that she had such interesting story that uh, she's able to discover things that she wasn't able to find through paper records and was able to connect. Um, to her roots, which, uh, Nick, I think you had a really interesting perspective on this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, between over over a 200-year period, 10 million, 10 million people from Africa were transported to the Americas. And once, once that happened, I mean, that's complicated enough, right? The records are lost. Names are changed. That's, that's bad enough. But once they got over to, to the States, some were transported across state lines. Some were moved north, some were moved south, and some were moved west. And obviously, as you studied in history, there were, there were rightfully so a lot of runaway slaves who wanted freedom. So that, I mean, not that it was a bad, that part of it's a bad complication, but you had a lot of complications that make it tougher for African Americans to find their history. And compared to me, compared to you, compared to a lot of other folks who thankfully had not had to deal with some of these injustice, injustices in the world, but 
it was the, the fact that she had to do all of this just to get a little bit of history speaks for itself, speaks for itself in my opinion. And it just it shows the power of DNA tests and how relevant they are in terms of not just cool little data, but they are becoming a primary source of information for history. Right. And, you know, I watch a lot of Finding Your Roots on CBS. I actually, you know, did watch a lot of those ones. But, um, and, you know, a lot of those stories are similar, too, because there were no paper trails when people were enslaved. They didn't have names on documents. They were basically just numbers. A lot of times, um, you know, once in the 1800s, they would have a first name on a census, but there wouldn't be a last name. So finding where people came from uh, before they got to America is virtually impossible for so many people. So I think it's really cool that, um, you know, for Courtney, when she first told, I don't, when I first met her, she told me this story, and I was just blown away because I thought it was so cool that she actually went there and was able to experience it and, um, you know, felt like she could feel a, a, a similarity with the people uh, that were in Senegal. And it's just a, such a cool experience and such a cool trip for her to take. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I've studied history. I, I minored in it in college. But the flaw of studying history is that you don't necessarily get the emotional element of it. Uh, you, you, can't get a, you can't get an emotional feeling watching documentaries or you can't get much of one. You have to – you can't experience the feeling that these people went through, not just her or her family or, or just anybody else, whether it's a war or conflict. But, you know, I think you could listen to it in her voice how excited she was to find this information. And I, I think that was – as somebody who loves history, as somebody who studied it, you rarely get the emotional element up close like you did with Courtney. And I think that was, that, was one, that was one of my favorite parts of the interview, just the fact that she sounded so excited talking about it with you. So it was really, really nicely done. Yeah, and so more to discover. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to more people about you know, their journeys and their experiences throughout our podcast. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about throughout a few of these episodes is you know, my DNA test and what I was able to discover. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go back and uh, get a recap. But uh, basically, uh, you know, I took a DNA test, and, you know, I was talking to Courtney about her story before I had even started all of this. And so she was part of the reason, um, you know, before I got my results back, that I thought how interesting it is that people have these stories and I wanted to be able to share them. And then, of course, you know, when I got my results back, I became part of the story as well. Because, you know, everyone has uh, a story to tell. But, um, you know, for me, I found out that I have a half-brother because of a DNA <laughs> test, which was just so crazy to me because, you know, he's six years older. I had no idea that he existed. And so basically I left off last time that I had um, basically – semi-stalked <laughs> and, uh, and so I sent him an email after I tracked him down and, and I said that, you know, this might be a strange question if you're not the Matthew I'm looking for, but if you did have your DNA tested using 23andMe, if you could please send me a message on the account and uh, if you did not, you know, oh, please let me know and I'll leave you alone. So basically after about a day, he finally got back to me and he said, Hey, just signed in and saw, and thought, wow, a whole lot more information than when I first signed up a couple months ago. 
My wife got me to do it, and now she's in full research mode. So that was pretty shocking because I assumed that, you know, if he was adopted, that maybe he was looking for his biological family, but um, I think that he was more just, you know, from our emails back and forth, you know, he said, I said, were you looking for information when you signed up? And, uh, you know, we have the same father, I'm assuming. And uh, he said, yes, that's what we're thinking. I guess subconsciously I might have been, but also for the heritage and genetic uh, disposition side of it. So he was looking for more information and his background, and I think his, his wife was interested. So uh, basically we went back and forth with a few different emails, and I you know, told him off the back end that I should tell you that if we have the same father, that he passed away in 1996, and you know, this is a latch process, but um, it was a latch process for me myself as well, and I understand that he needed time, but if, um, you know, like I said, I had so many questions, and if he had questions that I could answer, you know, anything that he'd want to know, because, um, you know, he was adopted, and so he knew nothing of, both of his parents. So it was pretty crazy uh, kind of going back and forth and just uh, kind of starting to get to know each other, which is a strange thing for someone to, you know, have a half-sibling to all of a sudden uh, try and play catch-up and not be too uh, in his face about everything because I wanted to know so much, and I think he was probably in a little bit of shock. So, I would um, imagine so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we'll uh, we'll get him on here on the podcast, and we can uh, talk to him about what he thought. But for me, it's it's pretty cool because, like I said, my dad passed away in 1996, and I was an only child. So all of a sudden, I have a half sibling, and um, you know, we can I was able to tell him a little bit about our dad and, and who he was. and I think you and, I mean, obviously it's different circumstances, but for you and Courtney, it, it, it's very similar that you both took the test. You didn't know where it would go, but both of you made amazing discoveries. And I just think it, it's, even though they're completely different cases, it's, it's really cool that these DNA tests filled in the gaps for you, filled in the gaps for her and filled in the gaps for your brother. And, this technology, this these advances and opportunity to find out some history. It's just a, it's kind of a inspiring to listen to and read about if you see stories online. So it's very cool for both of you. Yeah, I think so too. That's a great way to put it too. And there are still privacy concerns. And um, I know for me, making this discovery of this, uh, half-brother, it, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future in terms of uh, the privacy of DNA tests, but I'm so happy that I took it. <laughs> and I, I know I know you are, you know, we've talked a lot about it through email and over the phone, and I'm, I'm very happy for you, and I know uh, it's, I know sometimes the biggest shocks in the world can be happy, and it sounds like it we'll really worked out for you. More of, um, yeah, yeah, you know, what me and Matt talked about, and once I get him on here, we can find out where he thought about everything as well. So that'll be for another time. For now, though, this is Genetic Jackpot. 